This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by School of Rock, the world's leader in performance-based music education. For more information, visit franchising.schoolofrock.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, your essential companion when navigating the complexities of franchising's many exciting industries. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. I don't think we think a lot here or pay a lot of attention to kind of what our competitors are doing. We, we really are listening to our customers and our franchisees. And I think that's been a very winning strategy for us. So we are, we are really laser-like focused on our mission, which is we remove barriers so people can love and connect with their dogs every single day. Dogs have become an integral part of many people's lives, with the phrase man's best friend being more significant today than ever. In the UK, for example, over 3.2 million pets were bought during lockdown, a figure that shows just how fruitful franchise concepts in this segment can truly be. Enter Scenthound. As a wellness-centered, membership-driven dog grooming franchise, the business has gone from strength to strength with plans to sign over 100 new franchise locations before the year's end. But the fact is that Scenthound isn't the only canine-centric operation around. So how will it stay ahead of the pack and entice new franchisees? To find out, we wanted to sit down with Tim Vogel, CEO and founder of Scenthound, and learn a little about how the brand has evolved since its groundwork was laid almost two decades ago. And perhaps just as important, how Scenthound will continue to sign expansive multi-unit franchising deals. One is just this continued year-over-year growth. So this kind of like five to six year-over-year kager just continues to grow. And so I think it was $42 billion industry in the US alone when I started in this last year, it just hit $100 billion in total spending in the US alone. So just tremendous growth. And I, and I think a big part of that has to do with what I would call the humanization of pets. Mm. So pe- people are continuing to uh, bring their pets into the homes. I think something like 68% of Small dogs are on people's furniture in their beds now. And so people are just uh, bringing them more into their lives. And, and, and we actually call uh, our customers uh, pet parents or dog parents. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I can definitely, you know, I've experienced that firsthand. I mean, 16 years ago, I wasn't overly, uh, I wasn't a massive fan of dogs just because I wasn't around them as much. Whereas now it yeah. seems strange to go around to friends and they don't have some kind of pet in the house. Um, so that's definitely yeah. good news for you guys, of course, with the, the franchise as well. Yeah. Um, and as well as that popularity in pets, you know, we're also seeing a real uh, increase in the number of pet care concepts, um, particularly for, you know, the care of pets like dogs, like with Scenthound. Um, and I was curious to hear a little more, Tim, about how you guys are making sure that you're staying ahead of the pack. You know, how are you kind of viewing your competition and making sure that you're the most desirable brand for not only consumers wanting to care for their pets, but also franchisees who are maybe getting into this space for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't think we think a lot hear or pay a lot of attention to kind of what our competitors are doing. We we really are listening to our customers and our franchisees. And I think that's been sure. a very winning strategy for us. So we are, we are really laser-like focused on our mission, which is we remove barriers so people can love and connect with their dogs every single day. And so as we listen to our franchisees, as we listen to our customers, we continue to innovate in that space to serve them better, which I think ultimately that laser-like focus helps keep us ahead. I think just that commitment to our franchisees too, uh, also 
they're, they're the they're the ones interacting with those customers every single day by and large. And so we get a lot of feedback on kind of what customers want, uh, what their needs are, how we can serve them better. And that, that I think that really just keeps us keeps us moving forward. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And um, around the beginning of this year, um, Sethound set out these quite ambitious plans to triple your franchise sales um, and increase membership by 10 times by the, the end of 2021. Um, how, are, how are you working on those two goals and how are they kind of, how have they been so far this year? Yeah, so we're, we're already ahead of plan. So um, last year we really started franchising, that was 2020. Uh, we were fortunate enough to sell 30 franchises. We, we set out a goal to, to sell 100 this year uh, I'm, I'm really pleased to say we've already hit 52 so far this year. And so That's great. Uh, we're having a lot of success in that area. I think we've had a slightly different strategy than a lot of companies that are in growth mode. I think a, a lot of organizations that are in growth mode hire someone at the absolute last minute when they need them because they want to save costs. Um, and so we, we really flipped that around and we said, let's build it so that it's ready to go when someone comes on board. And so uh, we've built the infrastructure. We've put the money in the technology. We've hired a, a really awesome leadership team, and and that gives us an advantage, and it, and it puts us in a position to scale much more uh, rapidly and and kind of and, and hit our goals. So yeah, and just out of curiosity, you mentioned there that you only recently, within the last few years, started franchising, and of course, Senhound's been around since around 2015. Um, was the idea to always eventually go for the franchise model, or was that something that kind of emerged as you were building the business? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. In 2005, uh, I had this really bright idea that, you know, I wanted to get into the pet space. Uh, I love the mobile at home component of it. And so from the very beginning, I said, let's build a mobile business and franchise it. Uh, but I very quickly realized, like, like a lot of new entrepreneurs, they don't know what the heck they're doing. And there's just a whole lot you don't really understand until you get you get in it. And so really, then I set about figuring out how to remove some of the problems around scalability and how to how to generate a better profit and and there there was you know it's I think we're I think we're one of those cases where we're going to be an overnight success that only took us twenty years to get there and it's because it's because of the hard work of learning your deep learning of the industry understanding what your customers want understanding the problems and slowly systematically solving them via what I really think is the scientific method which is keep all your variables consistent, but one, test it. Does that outperform the other ones? Make those changes then move on to the next problem. And so even with Scenthound, where we we had this aha moment and realized that it's about health, not about haircuts, and we were serving the wrong audience, um, we still spent five years testing membership model, how we wash the dogs, how we price this thing, how do we communicate this? Um, how do we make it faster, more easy, more affordable for our customers before we got comfortable with franchising? And it wasn't until kind of 15 years in, 14 years in, that I felt comfortable enough that we had really done the work to uh, and, and built the model so that someone who was buying a franchise was buying a de-risked model to, to, to be able to help us scale it. Yeah, that's um, really, um, as you say, it's kind of interesting looking at it because from the outside, it would appear that Scenthound is quite an emerging brand. But as you say, yeah. it's been nearly two decades of work that has gone into yes. that, um, which is both, I suppose, you know, pros and cons, because it might be a bit irritating to have people come up to you and go, oh, you're an overnight success. It's like, well, no, actually, yeah. you know, a lot of hard well, work. And Well, and I love telling that story because there's often a myth out there of like, oh, mm. these guys just blew up. But I, I think that's I think that's by and large not the, the common case. I think the common sure. case is 
someone really having that deep learning, doing the work, understanding the industry, understanding their customers. And it just takes that before you get there. And so um, I think, you know, someone who's pushing into the entrepreneurial world should just kind of go in with their eyes wide open. And it, and it takes that kind of dedication oftentimes to have a successful business. Yeah. And for, for people who are kind of following um, Scent Hound in the news, you've, of course, had some quite um, you know, celebratory things happened recently. Of course, the, the recent 20 unit development deal uh, in Virginia at Maryland. Um, and I was wondering what kind of investors you're looking for when you sign those type of deals. You know, do they have to have, I don't know, pet care experience? Is it more the entrepreneurial side of things? Who, who, what are your, what's your ideal franchisee? Yeah, we're, we're looking for people who are value aligned, who, who care about our mission of removing barriers to help people practice love every single day in their homes. And we really believe when you connect with your dog, you're practicing love and who care about the dog. And, you know, every, you know, our belief is that which you domesticate, you are forever responsible for. So I think there needs to be a value alignment first. And then second, we're looking for great experienced operators. So people have been there, done that. And so I think our model is a really great model for someone who's already got a handful of franchise uh, units or maybe yeah. a couple different brands because they figured out the operation piece. They figured out the training piece. And, and we're actually a, a, a perfect complement to a lot of other brands. For example, we've got a, an Orange Theory next to our Jupiter location, which was our very first location. Kind of half their class drops off their dogs, goes and does their workout, picks up their dogs and goes home. And so we fit into that ecosystem with a lot of these other brands where we're essentially an errand that takes about 15 to 30 minutes. And so we want to be where those other brands are people running their errands are doing, you know, getting their massage, doing their workout running to the grocery store and those combinations. So it's a natural, uh, a natural fit where a great operator understands how to, how to operate a franchise and then can actually leverage their existing customers and get a, a greater share of their wallet and, and actually make their lives easier in the process. Yeah. So it's a very synergistic kind of concept, as you say, yeah. which some people may not initially realize, but I suppose a lot of lifestyle brands do have that element to them where, um, it is, as you know, as the name would imply, part of someone's lifestyle rather than something maybe that someone has to go out of their way to engage with. Absolutely. And so can we make it easy? And, and what we find is, you know, in these other brands, you know, we know 68 percent to 70 percent of all of their customers own a dog. And so there's our, there, there's already there's already a built in business there. Yeah. And um, are you primarily looking for entrepreneurs or groups that could perhaps open multiple scent hound locations or is the, is the individual operator also, you know, of appealing? Yeah. So there's a, there's a mix there, but by and large, we're, we, our, our main avatar that we're going after is someone who can open a multi-unit. And, and the, we really think our model lends to a multi-unit primarily because of how we've solved for the staffing of the technician or the specialized skill we actually make them. So there's a career path built into our model. And by end of a year of operating one of the scent hounds, you're going to have too many trimmers. Or you're going to want to open up another center to continue their career path to going into management and those other kinds of things. And so, you know, once you get one, you're building these technicians, you get two, now you get two building these technicians. And so this just kind of feeds itself. And so we, we really believe a multi-unit strategy is is the best way to go. Yeah, and um, and just back to the idea of um, you know how popular dogs have become in the cultural zeitgeist. Um, do you think that there's a time, maybe in the next 10, 15 years, in which people's fascination with dogs could perhaps plateau slightly, um, or is that something that you think will continue into the coming decade? Yeah, so I think I think dogs have been part of humans' lives since the very beginning, and so you know hunter gatherers combine you know join forces with wolves to help them hunt, protect their village. 
And, and then that relationship really grew from there into the agrarian society where we selectively bred wolves to, you know, herd the sheep, pick up the duck out of the middle of the lake, get the rat out of the barn. And because of that coevolution, dogs have become so tuned into our emotions that they're here to actually serve us in an even bigger way than ever. Because I believe we're in a society that we didn't evolve to be in, this attention-based society, 24-hour news cycle. The coronavirus certainly created a lot of stress out there. And I believe the explosion of dogs was really because all dogs are therapy dogs. They help us be a little more human. And, and the science proves it. If you've got a dog, you actually live longer. If you've got a dog, you have lower blood pressure. You recover from a surgery faster if you have a dog in your life. And so people are bringing dogs in their lives to deal with the stress and anxiety that's going on out in the world. And so this co-evolution has been happening for tens of thousands of years. I don't think this is a trendy thing. I think people are just realizing the value dogs have in our lives and are utilizing dogs to help them live happier, healthier lives and help them be a little more human. And so that's what we talk about when we help people practice love every day is we're removing barriers so people can connect with their dogs, help them feel a little bit better, help them de-stress a little bit more and have a, a little bit better of a life. Yeah, you've uh, you've convinced me that I want to go and buy a dog as soon as we wrap up this <laughs> interview. Um, so there's no plans at the moment then to launch a, a scent hound for cats kind of spinoff. No, we're we're dog right. people, and we think cats are we we think cats are wonderful, but they're not. Yeah, we're dog right. people. Okay. For sure. um, and the the last question I've got for you, Tim, is just looking at scent hound as a as a international um, potential concept because of course the obsession with dogs and pet care you know is an international phenomenon particularly in western markets like north america and europe um do you see scent hound perhaps going overseas uh in the coming years or is that not really part of your strategy for now uh, we i absolutely have a vision for this being a, glo a global operation now we've got some things as an emerging brand we've got a lot of work to do here in the in in the us and north america and we've got to get a lot of things right and we've got to build a lot of the infrastructure around scalability. Again, my entire mindset's always been scalability. And so when you talk about crossing borders, there's all kinds of things that need to be dealt with, like getting products, uh, different languages, all of those kinds of things. So we're going to work probably the next couple of years really hard on getting our systems and infrastructure ready so that we're in a place that we can deliver the same value the same training, the same support when we actually do cross a border. And so we're not ready for that yet, but I absolutely see us as a global as a global enterprise. Yeah, so some very exciting things on the horizon, at least. Um, well, it's been really great speaking with you, Tim, and learning more about ScentHound. So thank you very much for your, your time today. Yeah, no, Kieran, great to meet you. And thanks for the conversation. It was enlightening to hear from Tim about the seemingly topical obsession with dogs being anything but trendy. Brands like Scenthound are just a natural evolution of the partnership between man and man's best friend that has existed for centuries. And when it comes to franchise investment, who doesn't want to invest in a concept built on centuries of experience? For Scenthound's current franchisees, it must be reassuring to join an executive team that clearly has such a passion for the area they operate in. Tim's enthusiasm for pet care really shone through, and his explanation of the franchisee support on offer likely alleviated any concerns that investors may have about entering this space. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Have you discovered any unique brand synergies that have provided added value to your business model? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods.
to keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts subscribe to the magazine hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on twitter facebook and linkedin today